The bards must drink and junk it. Hello, friends and strangers. Thank you for listening to Tomorrow We Die. A show about the trials and adventures that happen while touring as a working musician. Told to you by people who have built their lives, or portions of their lives, around writing and playing the music that they love. We are your hosts. I'm John Wisniewski. And I'm Jeffrey McAnulty. And every episode, we will bring you an interview with people who are out there day-to-day grinding against the many odds just to have to rent a U-Haul to haul another U-Haul that's on fire. (laughs) (laughs) True story, I guess. Yeah. So welcome to the not-really-start of Season 2. This is like Season 1.9 or... It's a kickoff show. Yeah. This is a clips show, so this is not a full sit-down interview, but basically we collected a few one-off stories from some friends. So, you know, we kind of just assembled these stories together and figured we'd do it as a, as a soft launch to season two. We're currently kind of taking advantage of being shut in to get some more interviews on tape. We're not really in the studio, but everything is still coming together. Super fun. Um, we're super excited for the launch of season two, which should be uh, coming up pretty quick here. Yeah, we're uh, still working on an epic two-parter to start the series. We've done a, quite a few interviews online, so I guess everybody's just going to have to get used to that for a while. I know I am. Been busy. Nice and busy. We've been busy not being busy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so at the time of this recording, the whole nation is pretty much shut down with the uh, coronavirus situation. Yeah, we're on COVID-19 lockdown. Yeah, so if you are aware or not, this is basically making it really hard for a lot of uh, musicians and artists to be able to do the thing that they need to do to get paid. So quick PSA to uh, get out there, or stay in there actually, and uh, support any artist that you can. Um, you know, Keep in mind they all have practice space rent, things like van insurance Uh and then all the other regular bills that you and I have now is a great time to go buy that album that you've been thinking about buying or um, shirts online if you can yeah Yeah. go to band camp go to their band camp go to their website etc any band that you've been listening to for a bit and you don't actually own their stuff think about kicking them some money if you have a job, if you have money yourself. Yeah. <laughs> if you do. Also, you know, another shout out to all the venues out there that are shut down. Uh, hopefully some of them have food. If your favorite venue shut down and they're serving food, buy lunch from them. Yeah. Get it to go someday. You know, just do it at least once. Let's try and make sure we got something to come home to after all this BS is over. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I mean... My hands, I'm getting that like that look in my eyes when I look at my hands like Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future when he just wants to play his guitar yeah. really loud. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, we bit the bullet and we went down and practiced last night and the whole time I was singing into a microphone, all I could think of was all the spit I was spraying. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wasn't really, I was having fun being extra loud and gnarly, but it was still like, uh-huh. it, it freaked me the hell out. I'm just going to put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> First up today, we have a quick story from my bandmate, Jesse Roberts. Good friend of mine as well, yeah. Yeah, he's the best. He used to play bass in a great Seattle band called the Ruby Doe. Oh, I love heard that them, band. Check him out. Man, they were so good. Yeah. Um, has also played guitar in Kid Congo Powers. And then, like I said, he plays bass in Sandrider. And he also plays guitar in a really great band called Old Iron. Yeah. Um, they've done a couple records, and they're super heavy. Yep. Uh, really crushing stuff. Really good. But yeah, so Sandrider was practicing, you know, a couple months ago. Um, It was when the show had recently been launched and I just, I I brought my personal recorder to the space and I said, hey, 
Anybody got a story? And Jesse just grabbed it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got a story for you. Here's Jesse Roberts giving us a tour story from the Ruby Doe days. And uh, before we get into it, let's listen to a little Old Iron. I'm Jesse Roberts and I, I play in Sandwriter, but I used to play in a band called Ruby Doe. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and uh, we had some adventures on the road. Um, at one point in our career, um, we were without a van and we had some, I'll call them benefactors, that, <laughs> that worked at a, a car dealership in Wenatchee. That's, you can imagine. Go a little bit, explain how fucking awful is that to be in a band? And not have a van. It's like being a, a seagull with no wings. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I got all this, I got all this shit in my body and nothing to dump I've it on. I got heavy stuff and no, and I can't get it anywhere. Yeah. So the van. So you crucial. need a van. A van is essential. It's essential. It's like the heart of the yeah. of the band. So yeah. we were without a, a van and we had this three day short jaunt in, down to. It started out going. Um, to Eastern Washington to play, I can't remember what town it's in. I can't, it's yeah, terrible. Wenatchee. No, it was, it was like Tanasket or somewhere, somewhere weird. Tri-Cities? No, it was a tiny little town that I'd never played in before. It was okay. really, <laughs> it was it was along the Columbia River. We So anyway, uh -huh. so we're, we get to about Centralia. So these friends of ours, uh -huh. let me back up. They, they showed up and they offered us this, Astro van that uh -huh. somebody had traded into the dealership and they needed to just make it so disappear. So they worked at the dealership? They worked, they were salesmen, car salesmen at this <laughs> dealership. Air quotes, car salesmen? No, right. they really were okay. car salesmen, but okay. there was some interesting <laughs> things going on at that dealership. Okay. Um, so, so they just show up with this Astro van and they're like, well, somebody was trading this in and we just need to get rid of it. We just want to make it disappear. You uh -huh. guys can have it. You can just have it. We're like, what? Okay, cool. Right on. I'll get back to these guys later. The, the, well, these guys actually were the same people who paid for our band van, the white one. For the first two years, they just get, sent us 
blank checks and I just sent in <laughs> checks for it. They were just like, we're gonna buy you, we're gonna buy your van for you guys. And they were fans? Fans. They're just like high school friends who were just had stayed fans and like <laughs> were just like they had money and just uh-huh. and they just wanted to like help us out. And you got they were basically Living vicariously through yes. you guys. Yes, and very much And wanted you so. to have a van. Very much so. That's amazing. Yes, it was amazing. <laughs> um, so they did that. That lasted for about two, two and a half years. It was pretty amazing. Like, they just paid your van payments? They just gave me... I had a stack of blank checks from this guy's <laughs> just personal checking account. <laughs> oh and every God. month, I would for, I, for the van payment, I would just send in a check for did whatever. Did you ever buy anything else with those checks? No. I was totally legit. Good I man. Was, just kept it. I Good was man. already counting my golden eggs. You know, like, it was just... You know, hey, yeah. I was stoked to have a, a, it was a new van and somebody yeah. else was paying for it. So, yeah, um, I wasn't going to look at the gift horse in the mouth. So, <laughs> but, but prior to then, this other, the the Longhorn, uh, so we had this Astro van and uh, we couldn't get all of our shit in the Astro van. So we were pulling a little U-Haul behind uh-huh. it because it's, they're fucking tiny. Yeah. So we get to about Centralia and all of a sudden we're on the freeway and it just like stops running. We pull over to the side <laughs> of the road and we're like, what, the, what is going on with this thing? And like. We fit, we're like, oh, it's probably the alternator. So we go and buy an alternator. We put it in uh-huh. in the parking lot. Doesn't fix the problem. Yeah. We finally, like, fuck this thing. We go somehow. Aaron goes and finds this Russian guy uh-huh. and gets him to agree to take the van off of our hands. Explain that he finds a Russian guy. He walks into the town and at some point when he, I think he may have <laughs> met the guy at the at the shucks or wherever we bought the he bought the alternator. Oh, so he like walked back. He walked back and like met somebody and explained our situation and like said somehow like appealed to this person's he's a charismatic guy yeah yeah Yeah. he like smooth talked it and i mean which if you think about it it sounds really sketchy to like say hey uh we just pulled into town we've got this van that just broke (laughs) do you want it here we'll sign it over the title over to you oh he traded the van away yeah we just gave it to this guy Wow. But we had to go. So this is just the beginning of this story. Yeah. Uh, so we had to go to a U-Haul place and get, you know, we're thinking like, oh, we've got this trailer. We'll just swap it out and get a small U-Haul truck and put everything in the back of the truck, right? Yeah. Yep. No. That's not how U-Haul works. We get there. <laughs> they don't have, all they have left is like, I don't know what how big it is. It's like the 17 foot, their mm-hmm. big truck. Yeah. That's all they have. Mom's yeah. It's big. Yeah. It's big. <laughs> so we have that. Too big. With the U-Haul trailer on the back of it. Which is like angled up. Angled way the Because the truck is up. enormous. Yeah. But, okay. but we were like, we're not going to load all of our crap in the back of this the truck that's up high. Yeah. It's easier to load it out of the U-Haul. Anyway, so we're, so we're in this huge, so we're like, fuck, now we've got two <laughs> U-Haul things. So, okay, we're on our way to the first show now, finally. Uh-huh. We're already one vehicle deep. Uh-huh. I'm driving along. I'm driving <laughs> you, along. Si- you signed away your Astro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I'm driving along. Uh, so, the Colum- so we, we pull off I-5, and we're going along the Columbia River Gorge. We're on, the, I think, I don't know what side the road's on, but drive along. It's starting to get dark, and I'm you know just cruising along, and I, I'm looking behind me, and I see these headlights behind me, and they're... I realized that they look really kind of dim, like sort of yellow. Uh-huh. And then it finally, and then all of a sudden I see them like kind of swerving all over the place. And uh-huh. I'm like, you know what? Our fucking U-Fall is on fire. <laughs> and I realized that there's so much smoke coming behind the person can't see. And the smoke from our U-Fall is blocking their their... Headlights, yeah. and that's why they look all fucked up, and they're, you can't see where the fuck they're going. Swerving on the road. Yeah, so, like, finally pull over to the side of the road, uh-huh. and, uh, and at this point, 
you know, we were already kind of pushing it to be at the show on time. Yeah. So this night, this was the first night we were playing at a high school. It was a friend. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a friend, a friend of Aaron's, some guy that was like uh, a super fan, uh-huh. had just like, hey, I've got this budget. I want to like get some some good entertainment out here for these high school kids out in this tiny little town in uh-huh. eastern Washington. <laughs> we were like, okay, sure. You know, we're going to make some money to do it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, why not? They're going to put us in a, ho- in a hotel, you know, treat us treat us right, you know, treat us, whatever. Yeah. So we were running behind. Uh, we call them and say, hey, you know, we're, we're pulled over on the side of the Oh, first, we pull over the, all the wiring harness for the, the, the U-Haul is completely melted through. It's dripping plastic down onto the pavement. There's smoke <laughs> coming out of it. We look like those monkeys in uh, 2001. They're yeah. They're trying to touch the stone. Trying to get <laughs> the our... Monolith. Yeah, trying to get our... Like, <laughs> like, trying to get our shit out of the back of it. I'm just sort uh-huh. of seeing, like, die oh, hard... Because the fucking thing's on fire. The trailer's on fire. No, the, the U-Haul engine is on fire. Of the truck? Of the truck. That's what caught on that, fire. The engine of the, of the truck I caught thought, on fire. I thought the trailer caught no, on fire. No, the trailer's fine. Holy fuck. The truck caught on fire. So okay. The, so the wiring harness, there's, you can look through, there's all the way to the pavement. There's no wiring. Yeah. It's just dripping, burning <laughs> plastic onto the ground. Uh-huh. And we're just like, holy shit. Yeah. Finally, we fucking, we had, we had no water. Yeah. We had a we had a twenty four pack of Coke. Put that fucker <laughs> out with Coke, Just shaking the cans up and spraying it. Uh-huh. At this point, so we called you all, and they were like, "Oh, well, we can get somebody out there, but it's going to take a little while." So these guys at the school are like, "Oh, we, well, we're going to get some kids here to come get you." So. We're like, okay, fuck, we're really running late, you know? And, like, these kids are just waiting for us at the high school for the show. They don't uh, know what the, what the hell is about to happen. <laughs> so these They're guys, not ready for the so bombs these you're about to come, come and pick us up. They show up in a fucking raised Toyota pickup truck uh-huh. with, like, huge wheels. Uh-huh. And, and, and there's, no be- there's no door on the bed. It's just open, right? Eastern Washington. And there's, like, six kids in the back of it uh-huh. and two people in the front. So they proceed to go grab our U-Haul uh-huh. and put it on the, the trailer hitch of that fucking truck. And it was like a 45 <laughs> degree angle. Oh my God. Then they stick us, like me in the front, uh-huh. and Aaron, it's four of us in the cab of this thing. And then all those other kids just get in the fucking back of this thing. <laughs> and the kid driving it, I kid you not, had to have been going 120 miles an hour, running stop signs the whole way to the high school. Yeah. I thought, I'm in the top of this, in this car thinking, I'm going to die. This yeah. is how I'm going to die. This thing's going to roll. We're going to hit... Somebody's going to T-bone us at an intersection. Yeah. Because he was just like going, buck. Because he knows you got to get to the high school. Yes. To play the rock show. He knows. He, and he doesn't... He wants to be the, he wants to be the hero. Fucking So A. he's like driving like a bat out of hell. So we get there. By the time we get there, it's so late. Like half the kids have left. We play... They do not get it at all. It's just like, <laughs> it's complete head scratching, like, just total stinker. What year is this? This would have been like... Late 90s, early 2000s? This would have been in the 2000s. This okay. would have been like, we were living in... I'm trying to think of what the kids are into at this time. We were living in... We were in Seattle. Um, gosh, it probably was... I would guess, like... 2008 yeah something like that 2009 maybe okay um yeah so so we get done there they put us up in the hotel and we're like okay well u-haul says we can pick up a new u-haul in the morning and so okay so we go and we load all of our crap into this new u-haul truck and then uh so then we drive to portland uh-huh 
and play a show the next night. We come out of the show, fucking U-Haul doesn't work. Again, it took us three <laughs> U-Hauls to get home. So we oh had to like, God. they had to come and deliver us another U-Haul and leave. But just get, by the time we finished, we were coming home on that trip, we were just like all sort of shell-shocked and like waiting for like, what is the next thing that's gonna happen? Yeah. It was just like one thing after another. All right, thank you, Jesse. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have to have Jesse come back for a proper sit down sometime. He's got some great stories from uh, touring with Kid Congo Powers as well. Yeah, oh, I always forget that he did that. Yeah. Just such a weird little moment in his life where he just got picked up and taken along on this awesome tour. Yeah. Multiple tours, I think. Hey, Jeff. Yes. So speaking of U-Hauls, mm-hmm. I heard you once had a thing. <laughs> yeah. With a U-Haul. I've had like at least three times I've been saved by U-Hauls and most especially by AAA. I don't know if it's still the same way, but it, back in the day, you know, if you toured without AAA, A, you were either too poor or too crazy. They, they saved us so many times. One time we did this little two date tour with Alice Donut. And uh, if so cool. any of you don't know who Alice Donut is, uh, go online and check them out. They were uh, another alternative tentacles band kind of way before John and I's time, but I was a big fan back in the day. And of course we said yes, and we provided the back line for the Portland and the Seattle shows and we got to be main support. So it was a huge deal for us. And they were super nice and just lovely people coming out from New York. And uh, our van broke down in Chehalis. And a lot of people don't know this per se, but AAA will give you a hundred mile towing. (laughs) So, if you get them to pick you up, they will tow you 100 miles for free. So 100 miles is actually to the next town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we got picked up in this huge truck that was so big that it just pulled our van onto the back of it. Yeah. Then they put us in this crew cab. So there's like two in the front, three in the back of this giant crew cab truck. It was almost like a semi and our vans in the back and they got us to the show and he backed it up to the Satyricon and just beep, 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 <laughs> lowered us to the, to the Satyricon. And then at the end of the night, we called them up again and they picked us up and they took us to my best friend Robin's house, which was in Portland. And we parked the van and Jake's girlfriend's dad drove down with his van. We put all the gear in that van and then drove it back up to Seattle just in time to play the show, <laughs> you know, in Seattle. And then, of course, we had to go back down to Portland and pick up the other van and get it fixed, yeah. et cetera, which is a whole other story. But that's just this kind of thing that goes down sometimes on tour. And usually the only thing you can think of is, you know, the show must go on. So how the hell do we get our gear to the show? We'll worry about the van later. Yeah, that's awesome. Triple A shout out. That's so good. <laughs> huge, huge. <laughs> Sweet. Well, cool. Well, up next, we have our friend Joe Plummer telling us a quick story. Joe is a drummer. He's been a drummer for a long time. Really long time. Yeah, he currently plays in a band called the Cold War Kids, has also played in Black Hearts Procession, The Shins, Modest Mouse, you know, a couple little bands here and there. You may have heard Just of them. Just keep naming all the big bands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he will have been in that band for a while. <laughs> as well as a ton of other bands as well. So, cool. Well, without further ado, here's a little Cold War Kids, and then we're going to talk with Joe Plummer. Awesome.
Hello, Joe Palmer. How's it going, man? Eddie. Good. How are you guys? Great. Tell the people who you are and what you do. I'm Joe Plummer. I live in Seattle again. Again. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. I moved away in 2000 and I came back in 2007, I think, or eight, nine. We won't ask yeah. you about that. that it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So here I am back in Seattle. I uh, am a drummer primarily. That's what I get paid to do at least. No one would pay me to play guitar or <laughs> keyboards nice. or sing. And uh, I currently play in a band called Cold War Kids. Oh, yeah. And Mr. Heavenly. Mm -hmm. You know, I play with other people and do sessions and stuff. But before that, I played with the Shins for a long time. Mm -hmm. That overlapped with the Modest Mouse for a long time. Nice. couple couple bands. Black Card Procession. Never heard of them. (laughs) (laughs) I made my own drum record called Hugh Time with Dale Crover and Cody Willis. Uh, How have I not heard that? Oh, my God. How have you not heard that? Well, that's the next thing I do. (laughs) Toshi. Oh, yeah. Toshi's great. Yeah. Didn't he just do another one? Yeah, he did uh, Plan D as a dog. And that is... I play on that one. Sweet. I bitched about it on social media because Rolling Stone did an article on it. Uh And they mentioned Matt Cameron and Dale Crover and um, uh, Blondie Drummer. Can't remember his name because I'm so mad because I didn't get mentioned in the Rolling Stone. Article. Oh, that is so weird. Overshadowed by those motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, so I played in all of those bands and still do in some capacity. And I tour a lot when I have downtime. I tour and <laughs> <laughs> like last last year I had a, a couple months downtime and I recorded and toured with Sunny and the Sunsets. That was oh, super okay. fun. Nice. But yeah, I like to tour. It, it's different now with um, a child, but it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's doable if your other half is understanding, you know. And situations are are right. It's not yeah. just it's not just understanding. Yeah, it's like realism. I can currently realistically do it. Yeah, and hopefully it stays that way. So yeah, I have toured for twenty probably two years. First tour I did, I think I was 20. I know I was under 21 the first tour I did. Yeah. What's the comparison of like that experience to how it is to go out on tour now with like Cold War Kids? Comfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, and yeah. it, it wasn't uncomfortable when I was 20 to 24 to tour in a van or 20. seem uncomfortable. Yeah. It didn't seem uncomfortable <laughs> until the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Or it didn't seem uncomfortable until I got on a bus or I got in a sprinter. Right. But for me, it went van, sprinter, bus, pretty logically. Yeah. That's about yeah. how it's supposed to go. And sometimes it goes back to sprinter here and there or van, but I prefer the bus. Um, and back then, actually, I take that back. It didn't go van, sprinter, bus. It went shitty, sketchy van. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's more like it. Van that works pretty well. Uh-huh. Yeah. New van. New van. Oh, my God. That we That's, had we so much pride in. We had so much pride in that. Oh, yeah, you Maroon did. Dodge. Yeah, we loved it. <laughs> we never got the new van. Aesthetically and chronologically, it kind of moved forward for me, fortunately. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't get too cranky about a whatever van tour or something. I know how to yeah. I know how to tour now. So if I'm in a van, I know my legs are gonna be very uncomfortable for <laughs> six hours. Uh-huh. So I try to do things on either end of that to 
make that less painful. Yeah. When you guys are doing a van, is it usually a rental? Yeah. Either there's no opportunity to like build out the loft or, you know, yeah. like, like get the van really like customized to your situation. <laughs> you just pull out the couple back seats and you're like, eh. <laughs> well, I mean, I used to stay awake, whatever. I, I did go through, a. Uh, I don't know if you guys did, but I was like, again, with the stages, it was like first van. I was like, oh, we can build a loft. That makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you do that for a couple of years and you're like, oh my God, luxury. We can stretch out. You can sleep. You can drive all night now. <laughs> I love the loft. I love the loft. I love it. But then it like... It's pretty fucking dangerous to be up there in that loft. <laughs> yeah, because you're not tied down. <laughs> Slam on the brakes. You literally, your body would shoot like a torpedo. It's more comfortable to go head first, and oh. that's the f- you'll die first. You'll die faster. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But having your legs be so separated from, you know, back by the window, and what about? how you roll around when you're up there and if yeah. someone's a swervy driver or if you're going through the mountains, you're like, bump, wake up, bump, wake yeah, up, oh yeah. bump, yeah. wake up. <laughs> yeah. So I used to, I was fine with it. I was like, oh man, this is wonderful. I love this loft. I can stretch out. Like my legs won't be uncomfortable and I'm big on napping. I can take a nap. Then I can be ready to drive and we can make progress. And then I started like getting paranoid about it. A few, mm. probably four years into it. And I was like, God, the fuck, just one deer and I'm going through the windshield yeah. and it's going to yep. be feet first. Then I started thinking, what if we put a net up here? Oh, <laughs> what? That's kind of genius. <laughs> a net. And I was like, eh, it might be a little more, I don't know. It seems like it might be gruesome, more gruesome, just like tangled <laughs> yeah. in a net and going through a windshield. <laughs> Or like if the van rolls, then you're just trapped up there yeah. while it's burning. Right? Yeah, and they can't get you out. <laughs> yeah, but it was mostly like, meh. I was still kind of okay with it. And I was like, I could probably sleep a lot better if there was a net up here. So that's the <laughs> psychosis that you go through yeah. to yeah. play shows. But yeah, I, the the loft. What a, when you figured out you could lock the loft, you could put a door inside the yeah, that's door huge. inside the thing. Like no one really can take your shit. I mean, it'd be really yeah. loud and take a long time. Oh, we also put one of those like industrial like master locks on the back of our van, yeah. like drill it in metal. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And they, <laughs> there was actually one winter where it got so cold it froze. We we get our key in there, but we couldn't turn the lock because it was frozen. <laughs> yeah. But, um, all of our gear was in the van. We needed to get it out. You hit um, it with a hammer. No, we actually had a spray <laughs> can of WD forty in the van, and we just flamethrowed it. <laughs> oh, you did. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 Gabriel Kerbat was just doing something like that on our trailer on our last tour in January. Two locks cool. got got locked or frozen. I'm sorry. Yeah, I could I could see him opting for flamethrower first. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta get Gabe on this show. We'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, do you have an anecdote for us? I do. I mean, as far as we were talking about U-Hauls, uh-huh. I don't know if I've ever told this story, but it's pretty good. I was in this band called Bare Minimum in the 90s, and we toured a ton and a couple mechanics in the band. So we had not only a lot of awesome engine fixes, a lot of uh-huh. somehow serendipitously engine failures. Uh-huh. It's always the mechanics. They always like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like Brett, I was in caustic resin for a long time and I was like, I put an engine in this van. It's going to be amazing. And it's like, no, that means you're going to be psyched when we break down and you're going to be psyched <laughs> yeah. when you fix it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, it, was so, a, it was kind so of a light true. version of that. 
So we were we got into Chicago, and I believe we played a show at the bowling alley. I can't remember the name of it. And um, Fireside. Fireside. Yeah. Fireside. Yeah. Yeah. Fireside Bowl. Yep. I think we played two shows there. So we went there, and we got a shitty hotel way out by the airport because it was mm-hmm. affordable. We were driving out by the airport after the first show, and the van started freaking out. So we whipped it into a parking lot. It looked like a uh, like one of those park why you fly places we pulled it in there and it died it died we got into a parking spot and it died we tried to restart it it wouldn't start we had the show the next day we were like okay fuck it we'll go to the hotel we have all day to see if brian can fix it because brian fixed the van for us so we went walked to our hotel which was a lot further than we thought it was like four (laughs) miles but we had fun because we had booze and we were just like yeah walking and drinking and kind of just blindly hoping and thinking we're going to fix the van the next day. Sure. And yeah, it's all uh, going to work out. We get up, we walk over there. God, the energy I had back then. I didn't care about anything. <laughs> we walked over there and it wouldn't start. <laughs> and it seemed like an electrical thing. I can't, I can't remember and I don't know, but it seemed like an electrical thing. And I'm just standing there like, it was just me and Brian. I was like, Brian, what do I need to do? Just tell me, do I need to hold something while you try to turn it over? Or, you know, so he starts taking things off, putting them back on, troubleshooting, like A-being everything. And two spots down from us is the exact same van. Weird. <laughs> or, or the That's same really year. weird. Same year. Oh, yeah, sure. It was oh, no, unlocked. No, no. <laughs> and what started with this A-being kind of continued when we looked in there. We were like, okay. Doesn't seem like anyone's been in here in a while. It's unlocked. And then... We're like, just, we're not sure what we're going to do. Does the doghouse come off? Doghouse, yeah. Yeah. Doghouse. Yeah, that comes off. Hmm. It is the same engine. Let's start swapping parts. (laughs) Hey, Joe, just real quick, for the people who've never tried to fix a van by themselves, what is the doghouse and how does that work? Oh, gosh, the doghouse. The doghouse is that cover that hopefully doesn't spit out all the heat of the van in the middle of a summer tour. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that's the... On a van, it's instead a, of a hood, it's like the it's a back hood. It covers the back side of the engine. Yeah, yeah, it's on the interior. It's between the, the driver's side and the passenger side on the inside of the van, and it's this like big plastic piece that you pull off so you can access the back of the engine. So you guys have essentially broken into someone's. Yeah, van. <laughs> I mean it was unlocked, yeah. and we we but and not to say that wasn't a break in. We uh, broke into an unlocked van, then started swapping parts and kind of. With the confidence, it's like, well, if we can figure out what it is, we don't need to steal the shit. We can go to Napa. Yeah, you just buy yeah. it. Yeah. And buy it. But it'd be kind of, it'd be pretty, I mean, this is kind of a perfect situation. And if the owner comes <laughs> up, we'll go like, hey, we got to be honest. What? If your van ran before, don't worry. We'll make it run again. <laughs> but, but we're just trying to see what's wrong with our exact same van. So Brian is tinkering with stuff, but, and, and he's swapping parts out. And of course we didn't go in the morning. It's in the afternoon and the show's getting, it's getting later and later. And um, our equipment is in, that's why we parked it there. That's why we whipped it in there because it was a safe parking lot as far mm-hmm. as we could tell. So we um, had to, it was getting too late and but we were kind of still confident we could fix it, but we had to go play the show. Yeah. So we go, I walk to U-Haul and I, 
I call from a payphone in that parking lot, reserve a U-Haul. I walk over there. They want to rent me, you know, it's like, we just need a box truck. I think that's probably how they had. Maybe they had the Toyota one back then. We want the small one. Yeah, something simple. And they're like, okay, yeah, we got it. We get there. They only have the biggest one. <laughs> 24 foot. The one just below the next uh, license class, right? Yeah. Whatever they can rent. And we're like, uh-huh. oh, fuck. So I drive it. You know, I'm a pretty good driver, but, you know, mowing every corner is just like a back <laughs> two dually wheels are going over. <laughs> you know, they probably left a trail of tracks on every corner of a yeah, just sidewalk back curve. then. Yeah. And so I get there and everyone's like, what the fuck? It has two box seats. This detail is kind of interesting to the next part. While we were trying to fix the van, we had another day off in Chicago. We thought, let's have our girlfriends come to Chicago and maybe go a day with us. And it was four extra people. Yeah. So there and you so go. And so they're standing in a parking lot. Brian's <laughs> trying to fix the van. I pull up in this thing and they're this thing. Uh, these guys are awesome. Thanks for the yeah. rock and roll vacation. Um, so we realized, all right, well, we can't win. No way. We're, no one's paying for cabs back then. That wasn't a thing. It wasn't on our radar. No. Uh, we're like, all right, well, we all got to get there. So we rode and Brian dro- ended up driving. And I rode with my girlfriend and like whatever, whoever else rode in the back. There was only three seats, really. They're weird, like buckety seats. So we mm-hmm. rode in the back with fucking equipment, tipping Just over, bouncing around, bouncing around, and pulled up to the fireside for the second night. And everyone was like, "What are you guys doing?" We tried to sell merch out of the back. We tried to have a little <laughs> bit of a party. We ended up get, Brian ended up getting a part in Napa the next day that he thought it was that maybe was broken on the van we were parting. (laughs) Sure. Uh But we did put everything back. I don't think we left a note, but we could have purchased a part for the one that we thought was bad on their van for them. Mm -hmm. That would have been sweet. Good Samaritan. But we probably couldn't have, you know, it would have been like a meal. Yeah. (laughs) That's one less Taco Bell visit. Yeah. So that's a U-Haul story I can remember. That's awesome. That's a really good one. I like that there's just like this random open van. Yeah. How would that even be possible? That's just, that's absolutely in impossible. In the same year. You know, I think that, it was yeah, a 78 just, Dodge. It, it could have been insane. a 70. Yeah. Just really crazy. A tradesman. That's so cool. <laughs> and I, lo- I love the feeling too of like, once you, once you actually do cross that threshold of like, oh, we need to rent something and then you have it. And you're like, ah, oh, this we could have maybe have fun with this. Yeah. Know, right? throw, yeah. Throw a party in the back or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's be reckless. Yeah. That oh, was, uh, man. that was a doozy. That was fun. Well, so another reason I was really excited to have you uh, come talk with us today. It's kind of funny. You and I both had the idea to start podcasts about musicians on tour, telling stories from tour completely independently of each other. Yeah. And we both started it up right around the same time and we have this is even cooler and weirder we have mutual friends who are the same people yeah um one of the engineers or ruinous and for tour stories is a buddy of mine that sandwriter used to rent a practice space from that's right and i was literally i knew he did podcast work i knew he did audio engineering work and i i asked him i was like hey man can i ask you some advice on like doing podcast stuff i want to do this podcast about musicians on the road telling stories from tour and he's like, oh, I'm kind of working on the podcast just like that. I was like, oh, what's it called? He's like, it's called Tour Stories. And, and I was when like, he's like, Buh. 
That's crazy. <laughs> but that was my idea. <laughs> well, at first it kind of bummed me out and but after we got our project going i was just you know jeff and i were just having so much fun and then it was, it was around the time that we launched our first show or second episode you guys started launching your show yeah and turns out that like the formats are like totally different right and at the same time extremely complimentary so yeah i don't know talk about why did you want to do tour stories I still haven't told any of my stories mm. on tour stories, but initially I wanted to, like, I guess tell, I, I don't know. I felt like, fuck, if I have these couple of stories, other people have stories. Yeah. And they're kind of interesting and they're pretty funny. And there's a storytelling culture with podcasts and with TV shows like the moth. And I just thought they were, that was pretty interesting. And most of the stories that are interesting to me and experiences that I've had personally are not Motley Crue, yeah. Jack Daniels, boobs, yeah. nope. dicks, nope. stories. They just aren't. The thing about that kind of stuff is it does happen, and it, I've seen it. But it doesn't happen that frequently, in my experience. I mean... <laughs> really not the good story. It's not the know? good... It's just kind of like, okay... All right, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I, I did think the dirt... Was it dirt? Tom, was it Motley Crue? Dirt. Yeah. yeah. It was something about the way that was written was pretty titillating, but... It's more like, I don't know, just not interesting to me. And I don't think the interesting thing about touring and about the version of touring I've always done, I think the version of touring that I've always done from the all punk DIY thing, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Being told um, being told that you're a drummer in a glam rock band and here's either a plane ticket or go get on that bus and drink yourself to death and then try to survive so you can make us money and sure be as promiscuous as you can you know all of the cliche stuff it's just not interesting it's boring agree yeah i think the thing that your show and our show are trying to tap into is basically like the measures that people will put themselves through in pursuit of you know their art or their passion yeah um basically like I'm not going to do the thing where I, you know, go to college and get a job and save up for a house and get married and stuff. Like that's all that's like not your focus. Your focus is doing something that's by and large pretty reckless and has very little chance of actually like being successful yeah. in air quotes, yeah. you know. The majority of people that are out there touring right now are not they're barely breaking even. Yeah, you know, if you're and lucky. The willingness to throw yourself into that and then have also like knowing that there's no real backup plan either. Like, I'm just going to do this. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Right. I think it it creates a pretty like adventurous spirit and makes for some really, really unique situations that always turn out to be a good story. Yeah. Well, I mean, it puts you in a position, again, this type of touring that we're familiar with, which is, I guess, defined as there's all kinds of names that are DIY touring. Um independent band touring you know basically the type of touring where someone doesn't hand you money little that you know you have to pay that money back and tell you yeah go spend it i'll do whatever you want get hotels every night yeah the type of touring i've done has taught me a lot about economics and a lot about efficiency and a lot about having fun and being able to do what you want to do in this case playing a show in this kind of touring even up to now cold war kids is not a gigantic band but we do pretty well and we can it's we're still pretty pretty hands-on and brains on the whole thing mm -hmm. because we want to do it yeah, we, that's so awesome I, I i think it puts this kind of touring you have to want to do what's on the other end of it which is the show the logistics of it <laughs> yeah you gotta not hate it 
but it's uh, hateable sometimes. I'd, I've never really hated too much about it, but a lot of people do. But even if you hate it a little bit, you've got to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. If you really believe in the, playing the show part, you know? Yeah. I wanted to add one more thing that's pretty important to me. And I got, I was able to tell the person, uh, the other inspiration for this was an unconscious and then came to conscious thing for me. I got to tell Buzz Osborne this. This is Buzz Osborne and Dave Grohl. How about this? Let's start with this. This can be a quiz. Okay. How would Buzz Osborne and Dave Grohl together inspire me or anyone else to do something like tour stories? Any guesses? There's a real answer. Together at the same. Yeah. At the same. um... Put them together in history. I can't put the connection together. I do know that Dave Grohl was on tour and Buzz Osborne. I, I could be wrong, but I think Buzz Osborne is the one that told Dave that Nirvana needed a drummer. Is this true or not? I don't Dave, know about that. Dave, I, that. Dave was on tour with Scream. Right, or in with, L.A. Uh, or something. Yeah, right? and was and I, I think it wasn't going so well or something was going on, and Buzz told him. I thought you almost said he was on, he was on tour with Scream or Death Cab. No, Scream. That would be really funny. Anyway, <laughs> that would sorry. be really weird, yeah. <laughs> scream or Death Cab. And I think he'd kind of told... Dave about the job. Oh. That's the grunge, you know. Yeah. I don't know, legend. Let's put it that way. That's probably not what you're, I'm looking at your that's face. Not, see that that's no, not. What we're that's doing. not it. I, it's funny. I was looking uh, for the name of, do you remember the Melvin's uh, solo releases? Of course. The Kiss, yeah. Kiss covers? Yeah. On Buzz's record, there's a song and it's just a riff uh-huh. and drums. And Dave telling a tour story over top. Oh no, really? Have you heard it? Of course I have. I had all three of those on tape. And it ends with it's the greatest thing because it ends Dave saying, No, it's just lint. And that's the punchline. And it is one of the best fucking tour stories ever. Oh my God. (laughs) And I I got to go back. Yeah. I got to tell Buzz that last week because I interviewed Buzz. Good for you. Oh, that's awesome. The show is called Tour Stories. Yes, Tour Stories. On uh, Apple, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms. Yes. And you are also involved with the, the publishing of that too, which is Ruinous Media. Yes, Ruinous Media, which uh, we have podcast production and a bunch of audio services and music licensing. Mm. All of these things are happening at once. And, and now publishing a little podcast called tomorrow we die that's right <laughs> just a little just a little something cheers <laughs> cheers to you <laughs> oh, yeah i got glass <laughs> um so yeah we are extremely happy about that so, oh so, yeah yeah so am i i mean i was just listening to the last one again the other night on friday night it's a fun listen for me and i i like sitting around and telling tour stories. <laughs> I, that's not my, that's nef- not maybe my, my MO in tour stories for this, but, yeah, it, sure. uh, but it kind of is, it's just kind of a secret how it winds up not feeling like that. Um, yeah. And I like the way it feels. I like the format and stuff, but I mean, your show's irresistible, you know, it's like, <laughs> sure. Thank yeah. You. Like what, what are you listening to? It's still going? You're still listening to that? I was like, yeah, it's yeah. fucking great. I like listening to this. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have you on for a proper full-length sit-down. Indeed. Hey, John. Yeah? I just happen to have bought 
that Melvin solo record, the Buzzo record. Mm -hmm. It was the last time I was working at Vera, so this was like last year. It's the, actually the last record vinyl album that I bought. Oh, wow. And I don't have the other two, but I was so stoked to find it used for like $10.99. We'll just play a clip of that song that he was talking about. Yeah, let's listen to it. Just to get the gist. So we were in Amsterdam, and we were staying at this guy Toss's house, a good friend of ours. Um, kind of in the middle of the city. We were just finished with our second European tour. And everything was going pretty good. And Skeeter, he met this girl that lived next door to Tosses. And within a couple weeks, he started living with her, you know? And I guess she had a lot of money or something because she was constantly buying him clothes and getting him lots of stuff and loaning him money, you know? And he was constantly going to the coffee shop and always getting the best herb and the best hash, you know? He was in good shape. She was really good looking. She was really cool. And I don't, I don't think he'd ever met her before, but she had, you know, other boyfriends, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Fuck yes. So stoked. So, yeah, there's the announcement for season two and, and hopefully for many more seasons to come. We're partnering with Ruinous Media. It is official. We're very it's excited officially about official. It. Yeah. I mean, one of the big reasons I'm excited about this is basically like a, a media company that's being run by some longtime friends of ours who yeah. are also musicians. Like, we've been playing shows together with these guys for decades. Since the turn of the century. Yeah. Like before, <laughs> literally. These guys are not suits. I'm doing air quotes. They ain't suits. No. Um, <laughs> they're they're really really cool people and they're always in good bands it's actually so great to have reconnected with them in this really positive way yeah i love that they're taking their business seriously they're taking our show seriously mm -hmm. but they're allowing us to run it exactly how we want to they're gonna do what we do and they're gonna do what they do uh definitely go out and listen to tour stories they're these great vignettes i just i i can't say enough about them they're really fun to listen to and they kind of go out of their way to do some fun production on it i love the sense of humor that they bring to sometimes these strange, weird, funny, and or tragic events that have happened to people, <laughs> you know, on tour. Totally. Yeah, season two coming up. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. This show is about touring musicians telling incredible stories from their lives as they remember them. Humans are generally pretty great, but we all know that memory fades over time. And that in the moment, people interpret situations differently based on their personality, background, state of mind, drugs they were on, intoxication level, etc., etc. The important thing to get across here is that at no point should these stories be considered hard facts or perfectly accurate portrayals of real events. If by some chance you were there for something that was talked about on this show or know someone who was and heard a different side of the story. If you feel we've been inaccurate or misrepresentative in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out and help us set the record straight. Tomorrow we die podcast at gmail.com. We'll read everything. And to any road warriors out there who might be listening, we want to hear your stories too. If you have a crazy moment from the road you want to share with us, then please drop us a line on email. Write it up as succinctly as possible, please. We don't want to read your autobiography. And if we have the time, we'll read it on a future episode. Feel free to plug yourself in the band as well. Again, the email address is tomorrow we die podcast, all one word at gmail.com. And once again, I'm Jeffrey McNulty. And I'm John Wisniewski. And this is Tomorrow, Tomorrow We, we die. die. Find us on the internet. Our website is www.tomorrowwedie.com. And remember, that's two W's. T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-W-E-D-I-E.com. On Twitter, we're at Tomorrow We Die PC. 
Instagram at Tomorrow We Die Podcast. Facebook page is at Tomorrow We Die Podcast. Our email address is Tomorrow We Die Podcast at gmail.com. And the show is published on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and SoundCloud. Podcast production by myself, Jeffrey M. McNulty, at the Pachinko Parlor, Seattle, Washington. The background music is from Null Frequency Impulsor. Thanks so much for listening.